In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of reasons why families fight. The big fight, to end all fights, is usually about who gets the stuff when someone dies. Family members are willing to disown each other over mother's brooch or dad's favorite chair. Sometimes the stakes are higher, like property. That's what is on the line when someone in the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to give me my share of the property that our father left us. Greed is the fuel of the fire between two family members. Hollywood taught us that greed is good. Greed fuels the fire of protest between the have-nots and the have-gots. What starts out to be redistribution of wealth can turn into passing greed from one set of people on to another set of people. No one, anytime, anywhere, is ever satisfied with what they have. No one should consider or intend to get what belongs to another, such as his wife, servants, house and estate, land, meadows, and cattle. He should not take them even with a show of right, by a trick, or to his neighbor's harm. It is also forbidden for you to alienate anything from your neighbor, even though you could do so with honor in the eyes of the world. So that no one could accuse you or blame you as though you had gotten it wrongfully. As we now prepare to celebrate another national day of thanksgiving, the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12 rings in our ears as a warning not to pat yourself on the back too hard when it comes to chasing after the fickle winds of greed. A rich man has a good year with his crops, and he also has a problem. He has no place to store the crops. Perhaps he has some barns that he will store what he has now. Yet this seems to be a bumper crop, and then some. What if every year was like this year? He'll have to build bigger barns to store what is yet to come. And when he sells his crops, he can buy more stuff. He can sell his stuff to build bigger barns to store more crops and store more good things. No wonder the rich fool kicks back and says to himself, you have a lot of good things stored up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. This is the spirit that many celebrate through Thanksgiving Day. God has been so good to me that I need today to relax and recall just how good I have it. Oh, sure, I'll give my widow's mite for those who have less than I do. But hey, I need some time to bask in the glow of my barns that are full of crops and good things. And who knows, God might be even better to me next year. Maybe I'll have some time to draw up plans for even more barns so that I can have bigger and better years. Beloved, man proposes... But God 
disposes. You cannot take the barns and all the stuff in the barns with you into eternal life. You might wish to be buried with some earthly possession as if to think these will keep you company in the life of the world to come. The one that I remember from when I was a little boy was a woman who loved her car. She loved her car so much that she insisted she would be buried with her car. So when she died... The funeral home placed the corpse behind the wheel with her hands on the wheel and her right foot on the accelerator pedal. And I can remember as a child looking at the picture of this car going into a grave. She really did it. Figuring, I suppose, she could drive her favorite car right through St. Pearlie's Peter's Gates, St. Peter's Pearly Gates, and settle right down before the throne of God in heaven, maybe even doing a little drift while she enters into paradise. How do you jive that with this parable? How will things be on Judgment Day when our Lord Jesus returns to judge both the living and the dead? Will she then sing Jesus take the wheel? These are questions I have. But if Holy Scripture is right, and Holy Scripture is right, even this car or anything that you have inside the grave with you will be destroyed in the resurrection, when all things will be made new. We're not driving Ferraris into paradise. Fool. A word that is a bucket of cold water that is dumped on our head. More can become less in an instant. A a fire burns your barns to the ground. Not caring for your soul in the proper way ruins the ability for the ground to grow a bumper crop if it grows anything. You take God's providential care over his creation and decide to put it right there in your hands. You crave control. You crave more stuff. You want to be God so you can tell God what to do about your life and about your possessions. A fool looks like a person who stores up goods for himself and is not rich toward God. And being rich toward God, beloved, is more than just proportional giving to support the preaching of the gospel. Being rich toward God is letting God put in your hands whatever he pleases. Then when your hands are full, he puts more in your hands. And when you run out of places to put what he gives to you, you give it to someone else who has less. After all, it is not a gift unless you are able to give the gift away. Being rich toward God is being a receiver of God's gifts first and then giving to others as you first have been given to. 
Tis a good thing that our government does give us a day to pause and think about all we have. As a Christian, however, we know and believe that we have 365 of these sort of days. To return thanks to a generous God who sends his only begotten Son to save us from everlasting death. Fools will not give what they have to others. Fools hoard gifts, thinking that the well someday is going to run dry. Our Heavenly Father, though, never runs dry. His mercy for sinners is new every morning. His mercy for you, beloved, is in the water of holy baptism. Splashing you with his undeserved love, declaring you to be his very precious child. And his mercy for you tonight is put under bread and wine again, shown for us to be his very body and blood, feeding you with his forgiveness. Living now in his forgiving mercy, you give to your neighbor as you have been given. You give proportionally. You don't give until you have nothing left, nor do you give so much that you still can kind of squint the eye and maybe call yourself guilty of hoarding. You give because you have been given to. Property, you see, does not make for a secure life. Only Jesus makes life secure for you and is bleeding and dying and rising for your sin and for your justification. Only Jesus puts an end to all this greedy striving by freely giving himself as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. If there is any inheritance that you have and that you can give to those who come after you, it is what has been first given to you and to them. Eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.